Okay, hashtag getting getting sand in your butthole, hashtag just Tatooine things. Start your sublight engines. It's time for Roop Alps Pod Race, a queer Star Wars podcast. Welcome back to another week of chaos. I'm Jess. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on TikTok and Twitter at Kawaii Jessio. And my gender this week is three pit droids in a trench coat. So true, Bestie. As they should. My name is Noah. My pronouns are he, him. You can find me on social media at the Jewish Jedi. And my gender this week is Din Djarin, excommunicated for showing whole. No. <laughs> no. I'm really, really proud of that. I'm sorry. Here's my problem with that is that he did not just show one hole. He showed like one, two. Two, three, four, five holes. He showed a lot of holes. Mel, hmm. uh, my brain did go to the same place. I was like, I mean, technically he did. <laughs> he did show a hole. Hi, I'm Mel. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on social media at Melvin Culpa. And my gender this week is Axwoves is stuck in a saw trap. <laughs> I'm going free him. The beginning of this episode looked it looked like the beginning of Saw, and I was like, "Oh my god, we're gonna see Axwell. It's gonna be great. He's been stuck in this Saw trap for who knows how long." And then Din Djarin <laughs> showed up, and I was like, "Okay, whatever." Mal, I did go. Hey, you know what? There might be a chance that Axwell's might show up. <laughs> no. I hope. Oh, really as, happy. As soon as we saw, we saw that um, it was gonna be about Din and about the Mandalorian. I was like. The chance that Axe Wolves is going to be in this episode has actually gone up like exponentially. And then he wasn't, but there's still time. Give the fans what they want. <laughs> That's what everyone's been asking everyone, for. Everyone, everyone on the internet has been saying, Where is Axe Wolves? My name is Ollie. I use any pronouns. You can find me on social media at Ollie Fresh. It's fresh with a PH. And my gender this week, Leia Organa comes out in support of the death penalty. <laughs> what? <laughs> Because in the episode, they were like, oh, Moff Gideon's, oh, and been, sent- about Moff Gideon. yeah, they're like, Moff Gideon's been sent off to the to the New Republic. <laughs> They'll be sent to death. And I'm like, the idea, I know that Leia's not like the person who's making the calls, but the idea of her being like, you, the die. chair. <laughs> She's an electric chair. You're done. <laughs> Hi, I'm Claudia. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-I-A says, my gender this week is influencer of the galaxy, Ram Jamaram. So true, bestie. I know. Yeah. That the first time that somebody's saying that's wizard was in the Phantom Menace, like, like in uh, in in time. Yes, in release order. However, according to the canon, those of us who are intellectuals and read the High Republic and read um, the the specifically the books for children uh, and books and comics for children know that um, it is one Ram Jamaram, a Jedi Padawan, who just made up this funky little word and was like, you know what, that's really wizard. And then every little kid around him was like, oh, we're going to start saying that because it sounds neat. Um, and then he did a little baking competition and he made it pop- popular and the pipeline from him doing that and then Din Djarin embracing his inner child um, and then saying, um, that's wizard. That is the most serotonin I have ever received. Full disclosure, I did um, watch this episode and like I know a lot of people were very hyped to see Din Djarin, but I was like, first of all, I'm already upset because Axe Woves is not here. And then at the end of the episode, he said wizard and that... That is what I freaked out about. I did not give a fuck. I was like, okay, Din Djarin's here. Oh, he got herded by his <laughs> lightsaber he doesn't know how to use. He's a wizard. And I lost my shit. Also, speaking of the lightsaber thing, I, I believe this is the first time um, 
at least in canon, that we've seen somebody actually, like, people talk about, like, oh, if you're not trained, you could, like, fuck yourself up with a lightsaber, of someone actually hurting themselves with a lightsaber that they don't know how to use. It's the first time we've actually seen it. And, God, a relatable king! Okay, not the fucking, uh, a Christmas storyification of <laughs> Din Djarin. You'll shoot your eye out. You'll give yourself a permanent, very bad burn on your leg. You'll cut your leg off. Well, he didn't cut it off. Well, he could have. He cut other people in half, which had me, like, shook. Yeah, yeah, so... He said no survivors. Yeah, I, I think that was very sexy of him to be like, listen, I, I'm not really doing a lot of bounty hunting. I am doing this to get some information, but I'm really fucking tired, so I guess... And he just was like, I'm zero to 60, and... I, I admire that. Um, and at first it was like, oh no, Dinjarin, no. Bestie, no. You shouldn't, like, you don't have to be brutal. And then we found out that they were, like, you know, suppressing the wages of their workers. And I was like, go off, my working class king. I guess I was just wondering where Sweet Girl was the entire episode. Fuck for the baloney verse. For those listening at home, if you didn't already know, when we're mentioning... <laughs> We are mentioning a very popular Dinjarin X-Reader fanfiction that um, was so po- it was part of popularizing the, the term of endearment sweet girl for some reason um, in uh, Mandalorian fandom, and it's become a whole thing. For those of you who are not plugged into the mainframe, shout out. And, sometimes- and maybe, don't, maybe don't plug yourself into that. Yeah, yeah if you're not plugged into down. the main, wait, quickly, if you're plugged into the mainframe, if you're not plugged into the mainframe, how did you find out about this podcast? Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying, hey, listen, we we listen to your comments, we see your, your things when we took our little survey, we know that sometimes we make references that people don't understand. I am trying to be accessible here. Anyways, how um, did we feel about this episode? I was talking to friend of the pod, Julia from Star Wars English Class about this is that I feel like Mandalore is a planet that I keep getting told to care about and I'm not really sure why. And I think that there's a lot of really interesting things about Mandalore to care about. And I think in Legends, there's a lot of stuff that like gives you a reason to care about Mandalore. But in canon, I'm like, there's a lot of really interesting stuff with Mandalore, but it's just not something that aside from really loving some of the characters from there, I don't have that much of a vested interest to see, like, let's get back to Mandalore. I'm interested to see where they take it, but I'm just not like, oh my God, yes. Like, let's go. What's going on? Cause I'm like, I feel like there are so many planets in the Mandalore system. I'm like, you guys can just go somewhere else. But that being said, I thought the episode was really good. This is maybe one of the first real episodes, second only to like the trials of the Darksaber arc with Sabine that has actually made me be like oh maybe I care about what's going on on Mandalore maybe I'd like to see more of it I really liked it this was a solid episode but I have the same complaint that I think a lot of people have where was Boba Fett I mean I know where he was but I would have at least like to like at least like to have like seen him or even if at the end he was like when Fennec's like Boba wants you to come work for him. He's like, Boba's here on, Boba wants me to work for him. And then Boba walks in and is like, hey guys. Like, I don't know. I just would have liked to see him in any capacity. What you were saying about it's hard almost to care as much about Mandalore. It's like with the Jedi, we are introduced to the Jedi in A New Hope, whatever. We are introduced to them in absentia, basically. Kind of like the, the Mandalorians. Like there are people who have died out and we get to know like one of them. Um, and then we have the prequels, whatever. And we get to see them 
not in their prime, but we get to see a lot of them or whatever. We get to basically see what was lost. With Mandalore, we've never really gotten to see what was lost. We get to see all the people who have suffered, but we don't really get to see... That's because, you know, Mandalore wasn't included, I guess, like, before the Empire or whatever. Like, obviously, Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau, they're doing a lot of, like, filling in blanks frantically, whatever, which is true. So I... You know, I I love moments like this for us to be able to finally see what was lost because there's a lot of, like, talking about it and us not knowing. My my feelings are the same as as everybody else where I was like, I have never had so much fun in my goddamn life. Holy shit. I do love Star Wars. And then at the end I went, wait, where the fuck was Boba? Hold on. Which is a part of, I think, my, my general thesis about this show. And frankly... Not just this show, um, but a lot of television at this point, which is that it's very hard to judge things nowadays episode by episode because they are clearly telling a larger story and um, it's hard for me to judge it until the end. And with the Book of Boba Fett, I I am I feel more charitable than I think other people do, and I you you guys can disagree with me because like for me it's like it is a literal book, and these are chapters. Um, they've told us this, and I think a, a flaw actually in how Disney has chosen to do this is that like Dave and John have said the Book of Boba Fett is supposed to be like another season of The Mandalorian, and it fits perfectly in that, and this was the episode to show us that very much. Um, but it is being billed and made or whatever as like a separate almost spin-off show, even though it's not, which those of us who have consumed the rest of Star Wars television know it all connects together in that way. But it does it does really hammer in the fact of like like most television of like, I just wish that The Mandalorian was a much longer show and that this was one Clone Wars arc amongst a much longer show. Um, so that's why I, I feel a little more charitable to that criticism. Um, and I'd love to know, a lot of people compared it to the Bad Batch arc where we didn't see the Bad Batch that much and we saw Hera a lot. So maybe in the next episode, it'll be kind of like a two-parter in that sense. But yeah, it felt like one chapter and I, I... While Boba was not there, I think all the things that we liked about the last episode, um, talking about community, talking about what who Boba is becoming, his relationship with Fennec, it was almost like I I felt those values almost in absentia um, for Boba. Um, they were showing Din going through the same thing to show like you know that's what being Mandalorian is about and that's why they're showing us what being Mandalorian is about and that that's what Boba is about they're trying to make us put the pieces together basically and then of course when they were like hey remember the mythosaur thing anyway back to the rest of the lore and you're like oh wait that's Boba so I I felt more charitable than others but it also did still annoy me (laughs) I am going to be a little bit less charitable because here's my thing if I pretend that this episode was, had nothing to do with the show called The Book of Boba Fett, I would be in love with it because I really did like what it, I just dropped something. Anyway, I liked what it had to say and I liked the story it had to tell and like, particularly as a Jewish person and the Mandalorians are not any more Jewish coded than any other fictional diaspora people, but they, they share a lot of similarities that I do resonate with. So like, I get not caring about them as a group of people because eh. But like, I, I think they're very fun and I like learning about their shit. But that said, this episode didn't even feel like a, a, like in the same universe as the Book of Boba Fett. Like, not even remotely. I feel like part of the reason is that my problem with the show has always been at this point that it doesn't know what kind of tone it wants to go for. 
and it doesn't know what it wants to be. Because this episode was tonally nothing like the rest of Book of Boba Fett. It was just an episode of The Mandalorian, which is fine. Love that. But like, why now? And why here? And also why wasn't Boba Fett in this entire episode? No, I get it. And I think the thing for me is I like the idea of Mandalorians and I like like Mandalorian characters I think are really cool I think it's just I'm trying to figure out what their ethos is and I think that that's a big part of it is like what does it mean to be Mandalorian you have the armor who has wildly different thoughts than someone like Bo-Katan or even Sabine or Den and I think that that's really interesting and I think it's interesting to see this culture but I think for me it's more like Mandalore was doomed from when we first saw it in the Clone Wars. Like there was nothing that could have been done to save Mandalore at that point. So it is kind of a situation where I'm like, okay, like that's, that's cool. And I'm interested to learn more about it, but like, I get it. Like, this is my thing. I think from an intellectual level, I get it. And as a Star Wars fan, I get it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is cool. But like, as if I was a casual watcher at this point, we're almost, we're about to be three seasons into the Mandalorian and we're almost an entire season into Book of Boba Fett, who is a show about a character who is, you know, worst trying to figure out his relationship to being a Mandalorian. And I just feel like we don't know that much about why the planet of Mandalore is important to their culture. And I like, I would love to know, but I'm like, you have Mandalorians on Concord Dawn, you have Mandalorians on all of these other planets, which again, I think is it's a part of their culture, but I just really like to see, like, like to have an episode where someone like just someone is like, here's what happened on Mandalore and here's why we need it to be a, be a people. And we can't just go to other planets in the system. Like that is me as a viewer, not me as like a Star Wars fan who does know, like, there's a lot more to it because I've paid so much attention, but it's just something I think about for like a casual fan. I have many thoughts on this episode and I'm also not gonna (laughs) be as positive as Claudia was trying to be. And like, don't get me wrong, I I like the Mandalorian. I like Din Djarin. He's like in my top five Star Wars characters, like my faves. And the Mandalorian is what made me a Star Wars fan. But I did not come to the show to watch for Din Djarin. I came for Boba and Fennec. And I've seen some people like saying what like Claudia said, like, oh yeah, they always meant for this to kind of be like, the spinoff for The Mandalorian. I've seen some people also being like, oh yeah, it really is like a book because in, especially in a lot of the Star Wars books where um, there's multiple POV characters. So sometimes chapters will focus on different characters. But I don't know, with those, I feel like those stories that they're telling in these different chapters with different POV characters do still help further the plot of like the main story that that specific book is trying to tell. And I don't know if this episode was helping to further the story for Boba Fett. It was helping to further the story for Din Djarin's little tale for the Mandalorian, which that's great and all. And maybe I could be wrong because there's still two more episodes, but it just didn't feel like the book of Boba Boba Fett. Like what Noah said, it was like totally different. The pacing was also different. It felt, yeah, just like the Mandalorian, which was great when I think about the Mandalorian, because like I said, I like the Mandalorian. So I was yeah. I was really bothered by that. I also, I mean, like, I think it's 
I, watching this episode was really kind of a bizarre viewing experience because by the end of it, and I was like, this is just an episode about Din. Cool. But like the thing about the whole concept of like different Mandalorian identity is that we've never really even heard Boba address his different Mandalorian identity. So like, and that also has not ever been a focal point or a theme of this show. If it had been, I might be more open to the interpretation that this episode was to provide contending views on their like shared culture and shared history, which I'd be down for. But like the show itself has never textually told us that that's even a thing Boba remotely cares about. Like we know that he associates himself with Mandalorian identity because he got that, he got his dad's armor back and was like, this does belong to me. But outside of that, he and Din and the armor and pads and every other Mandalorian we've ever met have very different motivations, which is good but it's never really seemed to matter to Boba that much. So for this episode to spend its entire runtime focusing on Din's relationship to Mandalorian culture, when that's never really been a thing, like, I I hate this sentence, but I do feel it's still true. It, it literally just felt like they dropped an episode of The Mandalorian instead of an episode of Book of Boba Fett. Because if you cut out the last, like, what, five minutes of this when Fennec shows up, this has zero through lines and connective tissue to the rest of the story that's being told. Not even, like, so much as a mention of what's going on on Tatooine, which I, like, what Jess was saying about, like, chapters in a book of this style normally, like, further the main plot. If you cut out the last five minutes of this episode, that doesn't even happen. Like, this is just about Jen. And I felt, like, I like it in isolation, but as part of a show, I would not have enjoyed it as much. Yeah, not to get pedantic, I do think that there is one mention, though, of, like, the Pikes being on Tatooine during the episode, um, because the Jawas... Too, I'm getting I'm getting hand signaled too. Um. Anyways, point is they are mentioned and like it's just one. That... I watched it earlier. Okay, it's in the same conversation. Okay. I meant there's there. I meant there's two mention. There's two things that oh. tie it to Boba, not specifically to the Pike Syndicate. Oh, okay. Sorry, my bad. Anyways, okay. point is like there is like the smallest smallest connections, but it's not. It's in the same way that like the High Republic will talk about something like mention the Mandalorians, and it's like oh, so they're here. What are they doing? Who the fuck knows? I I completely agree that, like, that is a lot of my feelings surrounding this episode. And I think it could be interesting that they are setting up some themes for the finale of this episode. It has just occurred to me the idea of Boba using the Darksaber and being able to move with it is something very cool and very interesting to me. That is very cool. Hey, Boba for Mandalore? Boba Boba uses the the Darksaber, like, he's like, like, it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I'm just thinking about like the parallels of like Mace Windu and the lightsaber and then him being like actually fuck you guys the one person who but I listen I we ha- we will talk about Bo-Katan the one person who Bo-Katan would want to have saber less than Din Djarin is Boba Fett <laughs> okay proposition why doesn't Fennec Shand have the dark saber period <laughs> What you were saying about Boba and the Darksaber. So I earlier, Noah, you said that like there hasn't been any textual evidence um, that this makes any sense. So, like, and I, I think I, I think Claudia means like connective tissue, not well, yeah. Evidence. Oh wait, are you talking about the story or Boba's relationship to being a Mandalorian? Well, both. Hold on, just give me a second. <laughs> give me a second. I also have my issues with this, so I hate to be like the defender person. So please don't think that I'm being that person. I maybe their writing purpose for doing this and it didn't come across correctly was to do that, was to say, Boba doesn't consider himself a Mandalorian. But in the previous episode, he says, 
I want to build a community that is based on solidarity and loyalty. And then in this episode, they, they go, here are the most Mandalorian people fucking possible. And they say straight to the camera, being a Mandalorian is about loyalty and solidarity. And then, and then Din is like, questioned his Mandalorianness, and then immediately is like, no, I am a Mandalorian. And then goes, and somebody that I help no matter what is Boba Fett. And I, you know, I had been making little jokes on Twitter or whatever about like, you know, who's going to have the Darksaber or whatever. And everyone was talking about the parallels between Dejarin and Sabine with the Trials of the Darksaber. And the biggest, the biggest parallel that I can see, I could see is Dinjarin giving the Darksaber to Boba Fett. That is, that is what's Not going Bo to happen. Not parallels. Exactly, exactly. The true leader of Mandalore's name starts with B-O and everyone was like, oh, Bo-Katan. And it's like, no, wrong. Exactly. When you said like, oh, like it would be the one person that Bo-Katan would hate for that, whatever. That's why they mentioned like Bo-Katan was a cautionary tale, whatever, because she specifically has shit to say about Boba. And she specifically is introduced having shit to say undermining his Mandalorianness. So for the end of that to be, it, it would very, it would work very much, okay, for her. I'm just saying, it, it makes a lot of sense um and I think we'll we'll have to see and I think this again this is a symptom of there's just not enough episodes or whatever and so we get nervous when we're watching these sort of things whatever but I do think that the whole point of this was to remind us like hey this is what Mandalorians are and Boba Fett is a Mandalorian did you know of like and that's what he's building for himself I mentioned earlier that they were like oh what were the references to the rest of you know if the Boba Fett was not there the mythosaur thing was the biggest thing. Was like when we were talking about like Mandalorian lore in the Mandalorian, we were talking about the dark saber. When we were talking about Mandalorian lore, yeah, we talk a little bit about the dark saber because we gotta rehash the same thing fifteen times in the Book of Boba Fett. But like the thing they mention is like, oh yeah, the mythical mythosaur. Somebody else also brought up like the myth of the mythosaur is that like somebody can ride this this great thing. And what what does Boba Fett do? I mean, his whole thing is like I. I've ridden beasts twice that size. That's also a reference to like the Boba Fett cartoon or whatever. But anyway, like the I'm Rancor. I, the Rancor, whatever. But anyways, I've, I'm connecting the dots. Also, emotionally, they say that you can only wield the Darksaber if you are focused or at peace with yourself or all this other stuff. Um, and kind of the point of this show is Boba Fett realizing, hey, I need to be a different person, whatever. And he's slowly becoming that. So for him to then like be able to wield the Darksaber because he's, like, with himself, I think that would be, I think that would be very funky, fresh, whatever, and Din Djarin, and, it, and this was very much to show, like, Din Djarin physically can't even fucking use it. You know who can? Um, Boba Fett, who's also a, 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 just a brick house of a man who could do it. Anyways, um, Boba Fett for Mandalore, I think that'd be very funky, fresh. However, I will say, this, it's making me defend something that I also disagree with, but, Watching this show and other Star Wars shows in general, this happens a lot. I would say I felt like this way when Rebels was coming out and we were analyzing it like episode by episode, even though Rebels is a masterpiece and I love it so much. Looking back on it, and even The Mandalorian to some extent, but especially watching this show is kind of like watching the prequels. And I don't know if this was due to the production or what it is, but it's very much like it needed some script doctoring almost of like, there's so much good stuff here. The directing is phenomenal. I mean, somebody pointed out that the whole scene where he brings uh, the, the head um, with the bounty is one shot from the elevator up. It's it's a like two minute long one shot. There's so much good stuff here. However, 
it needs it needs serious script doctoring. So the and the and everybody knows that the prequels are basically just George did things and nobody told told him no. That's exactly how this series has felt so far. I I don't want to hate on the episode because like I said, like yeah, there is still two episodes left. So yeah, maybe this is actually tying in stuff for the the show, and I'm just upset because there's no Boba Fett in the show that's supposed to be about Boba Fett. Yeah, I I agree that like for the the show about Boba Fett to jump over to Din Djarin, it felt weird and that is why I I would like to pitch my show which it's called The Mandalorian Mandalorian and then in parentheses so The Mandalorians um and it would be like 24 episodes and we'd be able to jump around in a much more like normal TV way um between these stories and then we'd also not only just get to get boba and din but also people like Bo and sabine and even like the armorer just to like have these different senses of mandalorian identity um and to make it feel a little bit more cohesive um i'm getting maybe like some game of thrones vibes except for the last season not being dog shit question mark so true bestie um and i feel like that does tie into like the the way that they've chosen to produce this show, like the the shortness of it, uh, it really hinders it. Because also I feel like I'd be having a lot more fun overall if I weren't so concerned about the complete like lack of time, um, which is just, it's, it's weird. Um, it's weird. And I think it makes viewing it as a whole, like maybe the last two episodes would be really good, but my worry is like, it's a lot of ground to cover in two episodes. And I wonder why it was made so short in the first place. That said, um, there was a moment that I really liked in this episode. Um, and cause here's my thing. I actually never want Din Djarin to take his helmet off again, ever. Um, and there's a scene, I have a reason for that, I, that I will get to, but there's a scene where basically when the armor is like, Hey, do you take off your helmet? And he's like, I might have. Um, like he freaks out about it, but then he also immediately is like, "How can I atone for that? How can I like become what I am supposed to be doing?" And that was really refreshing for me because um, Fern, also of Star Wars English class fame, made videos way back when the Mandalorian season two was coming out about how like the allegory of Din uh, Din as an Orthodox religious person who is moving away from Orthodoxy because it's constrictive was weird and like not a great narrative. Um, and I, I just, I really appreciated that they, that they were like, yes, this is this is the orthodox version of Mandalorian identity, but like, it's still his. It's still important enough to him to practice. So a lot of people are like, is he going to take his helmet off in front of Boba? And I'm like, I hope he doesn't take his helmet off in front of anybody. Like, it's his level of practice and that's fine. But I'm also like, maybe let's not do the narrative of like the now you can see the real me now that I'm free of my religious confines. Not the Netflix hijabification. No, literally. Literally. That's what it feels like. And I'm like, oh, God. Can yeah, no, you not? No, I totally, I feel that. And like, I feel like so many people, and especially people who are of Christian faith, who are like, are like talking about like religious trauma and, and the Mandalorian culture, which like, I am more than happy that you have that, you see that as that way, but like the, what the the text has presented us is not necessarily that. And so it is kind of projection. Once again, you do as you like. It's not my job to police you, kill the cop in your head. But it's 
that when the text is telling you that it is a relationship with like an orthodox religion. The only thing I might have wanted there was for him to, I don't know, to say or to be addressed in some way that like, for him to be like, I, that like, a lo- I, I always remember there was all these debates about like people being like, oh, did he break his creed or whatever? And the whole point was like, he he didn't. He did it to to save his child. Um, he did it to save his child and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't break his creed or whatever and that he is still and he is still very much following that and that's still very much important to him and I feel like that probably would have been the only thing that I wish that would have been addressed and he'd be like he'd be like yeah I mean I I did but to complete my quest and it was to to fulfill a very something that is also very important to my my culture and my religion or whatever however I still did something that I don't I didn't love and I would still want to atone for it, whatever. Like I, I would have wanted some addressing for that, but they were like, so anyway, we got to move on um, because we spent 10 minutes fighting past Vizsla because John Favreau loves his fan fiction moment. <laughs> when you mentioned like Christians uh, talking about religious trauma and universally applying it, um, laws for Jewish order. people, what? Jedi order moment. Anyways, continue. <laughs> oh, later. Um, but like, I don't know how to say this in a, in a more delicate way, but like laws for Jewish people are a gift that we received, not like a thing we are forced to live with. So it's fine. Um, and also Claudia, you mentioned that he didn't break his creed because he did it in service of a higher purpose, which um, just is like some fun Jewish lore moment. The only times that you're permitted to break the laws of, of anything in the Torah um, is to save a life or to facilitate the saving of someone else's life, which funnily enough does mean that vampires are exempt from eating kosher. Um, But I just, I find that interesting because at least in my religion, um, we're allowed to disobey God if it means saving someone else. And I find that interesting that like his two moments of disobedience are in service of saving his his son. And I I like that. Uh, Not not to bring the vibe down again. I, I get people who who want to like be positive, but there is such a thing as also like toxic positivity, and some people being like, oh yeah, at least I like I don't hate Star Wars like anything because it's Star Wars, so like I love all of it. And you people who are criticizing it are like toxic. Or you can um, criticize things you like because you want to see those things do better because you like them and they're important to you. I wanted to bring that up because there are some people who are saying like everyone is complaining so much about the book of Boba Fett, which there's a difference between like some shitty fan, the fandom menace being like, oh, these stupid little bikes or oh, Boba Fett isn't uh, a a shitty person anymore. There's a difference between those kind of complaints and people who are like, this could have been done better, but I still enjoy the show a lot. I I just wanted to bring that up because, yeah, like I said, I've seen some people trying to be like, only say nice things. I'm just like, that is toxic positivity and no offense, but I think (laughs) sometimes you're shittier than the some of the other shitty people no I agree completely and I think that was something that I thought too because my like I really liked this episode as an episode I think there was a lot of really cool stuff I loved seeing Pelly again that was so cool Amy Sedaris is a is a gem like every episode that has Pelly in it is just so fun 
and I loved her and I loved all of the deep like here's all this other stuff and here's a lot of references and Easter eggs what's also cool is I like when they put references and Easter eggs in that don't just feel like hey look we know that this other thing happened because there's so many times where it's like that was shoehorned in like and I don't mind fan service but like I feel like this was done really well but it is just like for the few complaints I do have, I'm like, we need to be able to foster a space where we can have that conversation. And I think the problem is there are so many people who aren't good faith arguers that we need to like, it's hard to find a space where you can have that conversation because you don't, you never know who is going to be arguing in good faith. Like I really like book of Boba Fett. I've got some issues and I'm happy to talk about them, but overall it's pretty fun. But I do think like, there's a lot of stuff that happened in this episode where I was like, I feel bad for people who are watching the Mandalorian, who've just watched the Mandalorian and probably might skip over book of Boba Fett, then go to watch the next season of the Mandalorian and are like, okay, wait. Yeah. I have the same thought. Or like, what if you didn't watch the Mandalorian and you get to this and you're like, what's happening here? Yeah, I don't I, understand. I think I'm a I big, I'm a big enthusiast, like of casual, being a casual fan. It's unfortunately not something I've ever been able to do, but if you're a casual fan, God bless you. I wish so, you the best, but I feel bad for you. Actually, I will. So this is why I have a friend who's a cat, like, to, I like check in. I have a friend who's a casual fan. I have fan. friends I, who are casual fans. No, 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 I like, <laughs> I, I, I do it. So like, like I check in. That was a joke, by like, the way. I was like being like, like you know, like yeah, I, I know. friends who are casual. Okay. Yeah, I know. We got but, it. Like <laughs> I like to check in with her to see like she's like seen maybe like two Star Wars movies and she like just likes the Mandalorian and she's just watching this and I like I tell her all the little Easter eggs whatever and she purposely is like I'm just here to have a good time and so I check in with her of like well how does she feel about it what are her thoughts or whatever and it's been very interesting to see. Um, on a positive note, the people who are casual fans, I mean, they've been loving this shit. They've been loving this shit from the jump. Um, they've been having, uh, at least the ones I've talked to, there are some who like, I'm like, get over yourself that who are, who, who like don't understand having fun. Um, not from a like toxic fan perspective, but who just like, I'm like, why are you watching Star Wars then? You could just watch literally anything else if you want what you are wanting. Um, but it's it's interesting to talk to people who are who are casual fans about it. And I think that um, I I will say that they I mean I they must they have made it clear enough that like if you like if you like this then you'll like this of like that you should watch this um, and it does fit in. And I think. Uh, maybe we can thank the MCUification for this of like they introduced Boba Fett as a character in the Mandalorian so then so then people are like I want to see Boba Fett now um so uh, MCUification I need our listeners to know that when Claudia said that like we all made faces <laughs> I know I'm sorry I'm sorry but uh, oh my god I can't wait for the new Disney plus Star Wars show Hawkeye 2 but it's Hawkeye oh, no. as a lightsaber this time <laughs> oh please but no, this also falls into like Disney. It's just capitalism again. They're just yeah. like, you should, if you don't understand, maybe you should watch our other show, The Mandalorian, our our current breadwinner. I, I this is this is another thing too. Sorry to interrupt. This is another thing too that gets me. Again, I will say again, I really liked this episode, but it does feel like they were like, we don't trust this extremely popular character to carry his own show. So we need to throw the Mandalorian in there to make sure people watch it, which just feels so rude. So it's almost like they were like, 
I know this is not what happened, but it's almost like when you know you can make money regardless of what you do, it gives you permission to put on a mediocre show. I don't think Book of Boba Fett is mediocre, but it's something that I noticed. And it's something that I'm like for future projects. I really hope that doesn't happen because like I said, I don't think that that is Book of Boba Fett. But it does feel funny that it's like they don't have faith in their own material when it's like, I generally enjoy Book of Boba Fett. Them throwing Din Djarin here brings me to another thing that has been bothering me. I am such a downer this episode. I'm so sorry. But <laughs> uh, people already like using Din Djarin to prove that Boba Fett is like shitty and that Din and the Mandalorian are better. And it's really upsetting to me. Because, like I said, I like Din Djarin. I like the Mandalorian. But, like, some of the people I've been seeing comments from are making me um, hate that Din Djarin has appeared in this show. Because they're just like, oh, yeah, Din Djarin saved the, the Book of Boba Fett. Because the Book of Boba Fett has been a trash fire so far. But now Din's here to save the, the fucking show. And I'm just like, I I will kill you. I agree with that. I also think that and this is not a disease of Star Wars fans in particular, but it is a disease that I have noticed more recently in terms of like people who watch things. Um, they don't know how to enjoy it without it being a point of comparison. So it can't just be good or bad in its own right. Because like, to be clear, there's as much as I enjoy this show, there's a lot about it that just doesn't really work for me. And that's fine. But nobody seems to be able to watch it without comparing it to every other Star Wars IP on the market, which is just annoying, but also disingenuous. I, I see that as a problem. And like, as much as I love Dinner, I have to agree with Jess and with Ollie that it kind of feels like they threw him in here to be like, hey, just remember, you can watch our other properties if you didn't like this one. And it's like, why did you do that? Everything feels like a big ad for everything else. So nothing feels like it has a conclusive story. Like this is how I feel every time. That's how I feel about watching any fucking thing that's been Marvel. Spent all this time being like, hey, watch our other thing. And being like, we need to find a way to make it a teaser for something else. Not how do we make this have a conclusive and fulfilling ending? And sometimes they can do both, but not all the time. And they know which one they are prioritizing. Not to always say the same thing over and over again is um, the the content mill, the Google Facebook duopoly, whatever the the way the cinema sin, the cinema of talking about um, uh, things like we have trained ourselves to talk about things um, in comparison because that literally gets SEO clicks because saying. X compares to Y gets you more search terms. It literally has rewired the way that we talk about things. That is also why, like I said, like earlier in our discussion, I try to be more charitable as well because I know that like we have been rewired of talking about these kinds of things. It, it's very hard. And I think that you were talking, you were talking about how everything feels like a big ad. And I will say I have been, I have been consuming even more of the Star Wars canon than you guys have. And I will say that this episode... I really liked or and I was having a lot of trouble when I've been reading the comics a lot because um for a long time it has felt we we are getting a lot of stories that are fleshing out different time periods and so it's kind of like almost a never-ending story sometimes we know the end of it sometimes we know whatever we never have any actual like conclusion even if it's a partial conclusion I think that's why a lot of people liked the end of uh the Mandalorian uh 
season two of The Mandalorian. Like, when you watch the Star Wars movies, yes, something else is going to happen in the next one or whatever. But, like, you have a moment of victory. Like, not to say that everything needs to have a, a happy ending or anything like that. But there are moments of conclusion. There are it moments It has an of, ending. There, There is an ending. There is a point to all this. Um, and I think because everything must be content forever, it, then it goes... Well, we don't know. Maybe it, it'll go on forever. Who knows? And and you can never you can never feel feel anything about that. Um, so it's very it's hard. I think it's a it's a very it's a double edged sword, and it's the double edged sword of loving anything nowadays. So yeah. Um. So I do need to bring up that earlier. Um. In this conversation, Noah texted me the entire script to Solo, a Star Wars story. Fuck you. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to the next If point. I could defend myself, I did Damn, text no. Holly and say, should I send Mel the entire <laughs> soloist? And I, said, and I said, no, why would you do that? They said, and I quote, yes, all in one text message. <laughs> I will not be slandered on the team. I don't know what you're talking about. I will provide screenshots at a later date. It's just so hurtful when certain people say certain things. I can't wait to enter my Laura Lee apology video era. There's something else I wanted to talk about that I think is very funny. I want to talk about some actual important canon information that we got from this episode. Jawas are hairy? Because hairy. Pelly, girl, you're kind of all, a freak. She's an icon. Also, I know I'm on the prowl. I'm looking for crumbs. Pelly never said any gendered pronoun for this Jawa that she was with. I'm just saying. You're so right. Pelly with her non-binary Jawa, I, like, little partner, period. Okay, and I would just like to say um, that Pelly Moto is one link in the world's longest chain to get me to have Cobb Vance enter this show for some reason. And I don't know what the story <laughs> reason would be, but I want that little gay motherfucker to show up. Cobb Vance slash Axe Wolves! Yes. yes okay i can't with that this i have to what... write that i'm being serious i have to write that <laughs> that is very funny but consider <laughs> uh, this better be good it's, okay is so it you gonna know... be fen rao no it's not gonna be fen rao get really. fen rao away from my gay little cowboy how do you get your gay little cowboy away from fen, fen rao, rao motherfucker period. anyways point of this fucking thing was at the end of book of boba fett in the same way that mandalorian season two had that like post-credit scene like we i know we were just talking about this <laughs> the dark saber is sitting on top of the rancor pit <laughs> a hooded figure enters Jabba's pal boba's palace and picks up the dark saber and ignites it and we can see lit up only by the dark saber's blade <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it's called and then it's called the scripture of Cobb Vanth and then it fades to no, black. I hate this is the only show that I will ever watch. Okay, premise, hear me out on this. Because the Mandalorians are so obsessed with the Darksaber, we see Cobb pick it up and then in the post post credit scene he brings it back. <laughs> his loving boyfriend. Stop! Oh my god, Axe Wolves enters a polycule. Together. Wait, no, Axe Wolves enters a polycule with Cobb Vanth and his little Weequay boyfriend from the bar Period. from the Mandalorian. So true bestie. Oh my god, we've unlocked it, guys. I know we were I know we if it's in the pot or not, I don't know, having a talk conversation about capitalism. 
this is th- capitalism breeds innovation only in this case only for saying, Tom Vanth. I'm just I'm just saying hear me out on this it's the show is like it's just a sitcom wait of the three of them hang out what Capitalism breeds Cobb Vanth. Get out! Get <laughs> out! I love I love well, ABO. Put them in a different in the breakout did anyone, room. Did anyone hear the amazing <laughs> joke I just said, or was it being talked over? I, <laughs> I said, so... "Guess you can call me capitalism." Anyways, um, I would I would like to briefly talk about Fennec Shand. I know we were all saying I wasn't enough Boba or whatever. I liked how last episode we got a little bit of development for Fennec. Um, so this episode being like, oh, damn, we don't have any Fennec. I'm like, we saw her in the Bad Batch, and we see her in the Mandalorian, and we see her here, and we still know jack shit about her. I mean, not to, okay, I'm going to enter my, like, you know, white feminist mode or whatever, but, like, when do women get get to I have any stories about them? Like, I love Din Djarin, and I love Boba Fett so much, and I would die for them so much, but also sometimes... The Princess Leia-ification of Fennec Shand is so frustrating of being like, she's the coolest, baddest bitch around. She's amazing. Everybody loves her. We also know jack fucking shit about her and we will not be spending any time on her. And I'm, I'm tired. (laughs) The only new piece of information we have learned about Fennec Shand in this show is that she is from the mid-rim. That is it. That is like saying you are from North America somewhere. Like what? Can we talk about Bo-Katan? <laughs> yeah, let's talk no, about Bo-Katan. No, she wasn't even there. Well, no, okay. Hey, so, so we're though. allowed to talk about Boba because he wasn't there, but we're not allowed to talk about Bo-Katan. <laughs> this is not very. <laughs> we don't talk very... about Bo-Katan. This is not very Yas and Sly. Um, no, I like... am thinking about her. Like, did they all just drop off Din, and then she said, "I don't want to speak to you right now. No, I don't want to look at you. I don't want to be around no, okay, you." This There's is my theory. No way that she let him out of her sight with the dark saber. That is exactly why. Right. This is what I think happened. <laughs> Mandalorian season two ends. Luke and Grogu walk away. Bo is like, "Okay, bitch, what the fuck?" Comes up to Din is like, "What the fuck? Like, what is happening here?" And then. Yakety Sax begins to play, and Fennec and Din book it for, for the fire spray ship. Get in, and then get the fuck off of that fucking ship. Oh my god. Thank you. I'm, I also think, here's one thing that I would like to talk about, especially considering that woman. This is something Claudia alluded to earlier, an important part of the episode, that I think is really funny, is <laughs> Paz Vizsla being like, yeah, it, the, the armor being like, it's pretty fucked up that the Kree's sisters tried to rule by nepotism. And then Paz Vizsla is like, Paz like, like, but maybe I should have the Darksaber because it was my birthright. And then also, okay, I want to also give big shout out to Sophie um, at Fulcrum021 on TikTok for being like, hey, I don't know if the armor has seen Rebels because I think one of the points is the armor is being kind of hypocritical. Bo-Katan does not want to take the Darksaber from Sabine. Sabine and all the other Mandalorians have to be like, please take the Darksaber because no one else wants to lead. And she's like, shit, okay. Um, But I think, like I said earlier, the point is the Mandalore was doomed to fail. Like Mandalore was going to fail no matter who was in charge. And I say this as someone who is, I'm a Bo-Katan apologist because she's done a lot wrong, but I'm also a Satine Kree's um, enjoyer because I think people give her way too much shit because the big thing is like oh mandalore has been decimated because of 
everything. And then there's the whole like, oh, well, she tried to erase their culture. I'm like they have all been at war. Like, I'm not saying that Satine is like the perfect ruler, but I don't think anyone could have been the perfect ruler for Mandalore. But I also think it's really important to say like the reason that she took such extreme measures was because the planet was borderline unlivable because of the war that had happened. Like, I don't know if her method was maybe 100% the right way, but I don't think that there was a right way to fix it. And I think that this is a very similar thing that we are going to see more, like that argument that we had about Satine is gonna grow tenfold with Bo-Katan as she is more integrated and as we get into more like Mandalorian stuff. Because I think that the, the thesis of this, at least what I'm seeing from canon information is that Mandalore cannot be saved it is about the people and it's going to be a very like Thor Ragnarok Asgard is not a place it's a people I think that that is that has to be the thesis at least I'm hoping it is because that makes the most sense to me at least thematically and I think we are going to see a lot of people being like well Bo-Katan's like stupid or whatever but I'm like she like I was going somewhere with this but I guess my point is that I think like obviously she has her flaws obviously Satine Kreese had flaws but people People talk about them as if they are the ones who ruined Mandalore when in reality Mandalore could not be saved. So the point is not now who can save Mandalore. It's what does it mean to be a Mandalorian? The Mandalorians as a whole destroyed Mandalore because they were always fighting because they could not decide how to be Mandalorians. I, I will also say, um, you know, people were also being really, I think, mean and uncharitable to the armorer. Um, again, a lot of people projecting their religious trauma onto that, whatever. I also, like, the armor does say, she was like, we were sequestered on Concordia or Concordon. Um, it is Concordia, she, sorry. Thank you. Um, she says we were sequestered, and I'm like, she is operating from information that she has gotten from others, and p- other people were like, oh, well, her helmet, She was. she's a Maldalorian, whatever. I'm like, remember, they are the children of the Watch. They are not the Watch themselves. And I was like, she's operating on other people's information she wasn't there whatever so a pe- the, I, I said this on twitter um julia says said this as well is like we have to remember that in star wars just like everything else characters are characters they operate on the on the information that they have and their own biases and viewpoints it's not just a lore drop um which is really nice i love when exposition actually is also has character to it um instead of just being hello i'm going to give you exposition of that she's she's going by what she knows um and so yeah there's this view of the creases because they came from the watch who didn't like the creases um even though one of them was in it briefly and uh you know and Sabine isn't even mentioned because they were they were I believe sequestered at that point um and all that kind of stuff although I did get keep getting mad being like oh so we're gonna mention everybody else by name but we're not gonna mention Sabine Wren it's I hate it but um but I you know I think it made a lot of sense and I think we should be charitable to the armor as well um and I I am also a Satine Kreese enjoyer and that I I do like that comparison to Thor Ragnarok and I also think that that is also a reason why they really emphasized all this messaging and also that like Mandalore was doomed to fail in uh in this episode because um once again Boba will be the will be the Mandalore and being a Mandalorian is about a people and not a place so and he's he's creating things and stuff I'm just saying I've connected the dots 
Okay, my final thoughts on the episode, because I do want to be done talking about it. Um, overall, I liked it. If it had been an episode of The Mandalorian, it felt really disjointed as an episode of The Book of Boba Fett. And I have no idea where they're going to be going for the last two episodes. But I am also a lot more excited to see where it's headed than I was a couple episodes ago. The only other thing that I feel the need to mention is that canonically, Din Djarin does have Luke Skywalker's home address. And I did find that extremely funny because he's gonna he did... show up in his mother's ship. <gasps> I mean, yeah, he's showing up in oh. a Camry, and his mom drove a Camry, but like they're not the same ship, right? No, I mean to be fair, it, they were commissioned by the Queen of Naboo, so like yeah, they they were more they're like they're like special edition only for the Queen. Cameras. So like, yeah. okay, it, it's like love... it's like if it's like if your your dad was the president and they drove up in like one of the cars that's in like the president's. Luke um... wouldn't know anything about that. Okay, would he? I'm not saying he would know, but it's poetic. It's poetic cinema. It's just interesting. Also, Leia at some point in a comic, Leia does go to that that hangar on Naboo and like she feels something in the Force. Uh, she like feels like Maul's presence. Maul's rancid vibes. Still, uh, she does there. feel Maul's rancid vibes whatever i'm just saying that luke could also feel some like some vibes is all i'm saying um anyways go on uh, that was all i just um i found that very funny because we never really got confirmation of like if they were if they stayed in contact if they stayed in contact at all after goger got taken away on the baby ship um and it was it was fun i was glad that din was like i'm gonna go see my, my son and i was like so you know where he is how to reach him and how to contact him that's interesting also the way that fennec like came into Pally's little little shop was the best scene in that entire episode, hands down. That was fantastic. Pally being like, "Don't worry, I I put the alarm system on. We're okay." And then Fennec's just like, "Teehee, I'm in here." I did enjoy the parkourification of Fennec Shand. There's something very personal to me about it. I enjoyed this episode. I I think a lot of critiques of it are valid, but I I thought it was overall very fun. Um. Was a bummer. We didn't see Bob. Bob, <laughs> Bober. I barely know her. Bob. <laughs> I can't quit. Bob Not Bob Burnham. That is my new fan cast for Boba Fett. Bo fucking Burnham. Anyways, I'm very curious to see where this show is going to pan out, and it feels weird saying that five episodes in. Um, but I do feel like we somewhat have a direction now. The thing with Book of Boba Fett is that. I walked in with absolutely no expectations. So like it has just been a roller coaster for me of like I am loving this and then episode 3 kicking me in the literal spine down a flight of stairs. Um but we we've, we've been going up since then. And so I I am hoping for for some payoff. This is another episode of like oh it it did like when Din Djarin like had his little moment of like being his inner child, like, I felt like I had my moment of my inner child. Like, I was like, oh, Star Wars can have joy in it. That's really nice. Um, and sometimes, sometimes you need a win because, boy, there's a lot of L's uh, lately. And uh, I know that everyone's always like, oh, but I want it to be more gritty or whatever. Um, and uh, and that, that's also been the nice part about when the show before, like, the, the nice little moments, like, you know, Bobo with the rancor and stuff like that. If I were to change anything about this episode, Din Djarin's big character trait, other than being a relatable mess, is that he is a father. 
And the one thing that we have not gotten to for Boba Fett is his baggage with his father. It was clear that they included this to more talk about Boba Fett's Mandalorian identity, but I feel like it, if you were going to include Din Djarin, this might be the time to investigate, um, you know, the parallels with his, like, they're like, okay, we're going to have some flashbacks to Kamino and that's it. Granted, I know some people are tired of the whole flashback thing, and I'm like, it doesn't necessarily have to be back to tank, or there's various ways it could be done or whatever, but I feel like um, if some script doctoring were to occur, um, I would kind of want, if we were to go back and forth with Boba or that kind of thing, you know, how is how is Fennec finding out about his about his background um, with his father? Like, how is he starting to open up or address that kind of stuff? Um you know, and contrasting that with Din Djarin, who is now struggling being separated from his son, just like how Boba struggled being separated from his father, I think would have worked really well narratively um, and connected really back really well. But that's just because I would like clones to be to be uh, addressed. That's all. I very much liked it. And I, I will also say when The Mandalorian was airing, I want to say season one, but I think this also happened in season two. Um, a lot of people were like, okay, so when are we going to get to the point where what's happening for a while? Like there was a very similar, a very similar criticism. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to see it from, from both sides in that sort of way. Last week was fun and this week was fun. And, um, I was reminded that I am attracted to men by this episode. Uh, yeah, I liked the episode. It was fun, funky, fresh again. I loved Din Djarin. Uh, Wish we could have seen more Boba. Wish they would have like just just made it half like about Din Djarin and then them meeting up and like we didn't need we didn't need post Visla. Sorry, I mean Paz Visla. <laughs> we didn't need the Paz Din fight. I don't think we could have had some Boba time. But overall, it was fun, funky, fresh. I did like sc- scream, cry, shit, fart. <laughs> about Din because <laughs> it's just like there he is <laughs> I forgot how much I loved you <laughs> because I've been distracted by so many other things but seeing you again made me happy my last my final critique of this episode which brings me into clone watch <laughs> is that there was no clones not even Boba in this episode <laughs> Damn, it's a negative one. The one good thing is that there were pit droids, and I am a pit droid enjoyer. Let's go, pit droids. <laughs> Welcome to a little segment called eBay Adventure, wherein one of us goes through Star Wars eBay um, and plays a little game it's like american pickers meets i don't know y'all know american pickers. the price is right it's the price price is right right. it's you'll get it as as we play first up we have (gasps) ultra rare number one of fifty thousand star wars episode three revenge of the sith challenge coin is Um, that bullseye from target it looks like bullseye from target i was like wishbone that is not a jack russell terrier i know (laughs) that is stupid no, because it looks like a bull terrier, which is the lo- the mascot for Target. <laughs> so I don't quite understand what a challenge coin is. It might be something cops have. I, I don't know. I was like, isn't that a thing the NYPD uses? <laughs> I don't know, but this is the oh, description. Dear, what is this for? 
this is the description you are bidding on number 00001 coin minted from the 50,000 made for the Star Wars Episode 3 movie premiere on May 19th, 2005. This coin is highly, highly sought after collectible. It comes complete with a signed certificate of authenticity from the minting company. Thank you for looking. Is this not just an NFT? It literally is a physical (laughs) NFT. I think the word you're thinking for is an item. A fungible token. It's just a token. I feel like this one's either going to be insanely high or like stupid low. Like I'm going to lowball it. Just like if we're going by a like prices right rules, we're closest without going over. I'm going to say $10. $50. Do we know what metal this is actually made out of? No. <laughs> so a challenge coin, according to Wikipedia, is a challenge coin is a small coin or medallion bearing an organization's insignia or emblem and carried by the organization's members. So it's just like a little commemorative coin. That's all it is. The military uses the lo- them a lot and so do cops. Okay, well, how much do you think this is? Okay, I'm like really, really bad at these. Um, So... I'm going to just, but I'm going to try better to be, I'm going to try better. I'm going to try and do this a little bit better. It looks nice. And also, I don't know if it's actually worth this, but I feel like you could trick people into selling it at a pretty high price. So I'm going to say, I don't know, like a hundred dollars maybe like, because you could plausibly fool someone who doesn't know any better into buying something that looks really nice into buying that for a lot of money. So I'm going to say like a hundred dollars. I don't know. Maybe... 75. I'm changing my answer to 500. Okay, final answers, everyone? Are you sure? You're all wildly, 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 wildly off. Does that mean I win? Yes, because the listing price? $31,997. What the fuck? I'm gonna... Who the fuck is paying this much money for a challenge coin? (laughs) I win because I had the most? No, I won because I I said 500. I changed my answer. Maybe this is a stupid question, but why is a challenge coin worth any sum of money greater than 70 bucks? Well, here's the great thing also. You could buy a car with that. <laughs> here's the great thing. Uh, it also, shipping is $4.80. So That's I pretty paid $31,000 for this challenge coin that I'm imagining um, is like, actually, like this. Actually, it would be $32,000 plus shipping. Also, I'm imagining this is like what the, like the size of your hand. Yeah, it's Maybe like a little bit smaller. Yeah, like the like in the palm of your hand, maybe at the most. Are you ready for the next item? Um, as you all know, I love Axe Woves. This is 2020 <laughs> Tops Star Wars Living Set, the Red Series, Artist Auto, number 195 Axe Woves, uh, four fifths. So this is the Axe Woves Tops card. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, how I believe it's signed. <gasps> oh. That change the actor who plays X Wolves. I love him. <laughs> Hundred bucks. Uh, I will say forty five ninety five. I'm gonna say forty four ninety five. I will say that this is uh, the amount I would pay for this item. <laughs> okay, in that case, my <laughs> yeah, answer is like $5. twenty something. <laughs> twenty at maximum. Uh, for X Wolves. <laughs> My favorite Star Wars character, Axe Wolves. Oh my god, no, fan. <laughs> Advanced canonical husband. So you're like, I... Mel said sorry to Bell's out of Axe Wolves is my new favorite. I guess 30. Has everyone put their answers in? Yeah. Okay. Actually, no, I'm going to drop down 
to 10. Okay, y'all are haters. This is $499. Holy cow. <laughs> so Claudia wins, I guess. But but she was off by like $300. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just because you were like, this is the amount that I'm willing to pay for this. And I'm like, that can't yeah. be that much money. I know. I'm I kind mean, of worried. A, that, no, that was a slash J. I wouldn't actually spend more than Mel that. artificially you, you drove oh, so up you, the price. So you tricked Jess is what you're saying. I mean, I tricked all of you, I thought, but then none of you fell for it. Yeah, because you didn't say it until after all of us had already guessed. Hey, well, yeah, I'm sorry. Say slash J, so I was just like, what? what's a reasonable price for a card that anyone See, would be willing to pay? Here's the problem. You all know that I famously don't really give a fuck about Star Wars merch. So. Yeah, that's why that's I dropped problem. my price. I'm sorry. Because I'm just sorry. Like, I tricked Mel you. Mel wouldn't spend a lot of money on something like that. Sorry, I would for for him. Anyways, are you save your tears? (laughs) Save your tears. All right, next item. Uh, It's relevant to this uh, episode. This is top Star Wars living set two card number one eleven and number one twelve. Pelimato and Yaddle. Our two besties. (gasps) Oh my god, they are them together. I like that the picture. Two pretty best friends. You've shown us. They're looking at each other like lovingly. Um, it's because, um, it's, it's Grogu's mom and then, uh, and Grogu's babysitter they're dating. I would just like to say that it is an insult that these are even priced because these are priceless items. I was just going to say, there's few prices I wouldn't pay for these. For the Palimoto Tops card, I'll give an arm for that. I'll give a leg. And and you know what? I'll give a, I'll give an arm for Yaddle. So it's great. We can have, we can both be missing an arm together. Yeah, I'll say, uh, well, they're not signed, so I'm going to go- Is it the price of them together? Yes. I love, you cannot separate them. $300. Um, I'll say, I'll say four, $450. In the sense of seriousness, I want to say, like, mm, at most $100. That's my, yeah, like, at max, it would be that. I'm going to say 200 100 for each of them. It is- $199.77. So congratulations, oh, wow, Noah. Noah. My first win. <laughs> and, and you're still, t- we're in a three-way tie to win. Jesus so also, also because all of us have won so far by being not really close, just the least far. <laughs> <laughs> the least wrong. Are you ready for this next item? Let's do it. <clears throat> this is called Mandalorian Child Grogu Platinum Silicone 1-1 ratio figure. Can I say that my first thought was, <gasps> oh no, it's going to be a reborn baby? <laughs> it literally is like a reborn baby, though. Um, no, not the Renesmeification of Grogu. Like, I'm so sorry. He does look it kind doesn't... of like a gremlin. Funny that you mentioned that, Noah. Um, let me read the description of this item. Created by Nicholas J. Brown of Lorecraft Customs, he created a few of these at the initial onset of The Mandalorian. While they aren't exact, his creation has a unique visual blend of Grogu along with Gizmo. You can find a ta- time-lapse video of the creation on his website. Price at half of what was originally paid. Super heavy and the entire body made of platinum skil- s- platinum silicone. Custom painted and clothed along with wood base and peg. Sold as is. Thanks for looking. I'm going to say it was going for uh, 1200 I think now it is going for 650 I will go a little lower. And, well, okay. Because here's the thing. This is like, this is a high skill item to make, which does make it a lot pricier. So I'm tempted to say 
five something. I'm going a little lower than Ollie because I don't think it's like that expensive. But yeah, I'm I'm cool saying like five hundred minimum. Five thousand. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Damn. I I think because yeah, it is like is it like life size too? Like Grogu size? Like a... yes. Then I'm gonna go with a thousand. Okay. Any final final adjustments? Okay. So my favorite part, first of all, of this little guy is that he's looking up at God. Um, <laughs> but my second favorite thing is that he is priced at $799.99. <gasps> I got it. I was like, oh my God, it was like $100 off. Yeah. You're pretty good for me. Pretty good. <laughs> all right. Last item of the evening. This is young Anakin Skywalker, Star Wars Episode One life-size statue, JCPenney, <gasps> 1999, Yoda. <laughs> Where is Yoda, Quigley? <laughs> Great question. I don't know why Yoda yeah, is. Yeah, there like, not... spiritually. This, this, uh, I already know. It's going to be, um, ten, thou- it's going to be $10,000. Jesus. No. I'm saying okay. $1,000. I'm, I'm going to say, wait, Ollie, what did you say? I said 10000 Frankly, I am comfortable saying 12. Oh, have big spender. Ooh. <laughs> Time to pull out my horrible prices right skills. The face that Jess is making right now is truly I'm comical. I'm like staring at this little this little fucker. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Um also I'm gonna read the description for you all. This is in excellent condition with the original <laughs> tags from JCPenney still on it. This was displayed at and given away by JCPenney as part of the promotion for the 1999 Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. There were only 275 of these ever produced, designed by Don Post for Lucasfilm in 1999, approximately 22 inches by 21 inches by 79 inches in totality. I am using the local pickup only function as an option so as not to allow the possibility possibility of shipment through ebay however if you would like this item shipped it would be at your own discretion and you would be fully responsible for setting up this shipment method through through whomever you wish i can meet up within reason for purchase of item as agreed upon prior purchase please let me know if you have any additional questions and you would also have to be picking this up from rhode island clearly i have to drive to rhode island and no why do you want that it has power. I don't know what for yet, but mm, yeah. something's wrong oh, about it. Ah, on a fundamental... Oh my god, that picture. Oh my god. Why did you just... <laughs> Please look up in the Discord. Oh, I've been jump scared. Ew, what happened to <laughs> him? I like it. <laughs> Why does he look like that? I'm sticking what are with his mine. Da- okay, I would like to notice, by the way, that Gogurt was staring at God. Anakin is not. His eyes face forward like a predator animal. <laughs> okay, wait. So, what did Ollie say, and what did Noah say? I said Ollie I said, said ten thousand, and Noah said twelve. What did did Claudia guess yet? I'm changing. I said a thousand, but now I'm going to say twenty thousand. <laughs> That's a big job. That's so much. Uh, and it's from 1999, and there's only 200 of these little fuckers around. I'm gonna highball this. I'm gonna super highball this <laughs> because. I don't know. It also has its original like tags, right? From JCPenney. Would you like to know what it originally retailed at? Y- yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The original retail. Okay. And I'll allow you to change your your answers if that's gonna do that for you. Um. Let me see. Oh my god, it's in one of these fucking pictures. There's like 18 pictures of this little fucker. 
Holy shit. <laughs> okay, uh, originally for $1,500. Okay. That's a lot. So it's going to probably be more than that, I'm willing to bet. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Sticking with my answer, 20000 1500 right? $1,500. So $1,500. $1, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. I'll, I'll stay where I'm at. I'm going to drop my answer just because everyone else is, Noah is at 12000 right? I'm the lowest currently. I'm going to drop my answer to $100 just so it's if it's lower than 12000 I win. I I'm going to drop my answer to 8000 because okay, I'm Okay, well, you can, you can choke. And I think you're a bitch for that. Claudia, we, you're staying at whatever the hell you said, like 20? 20000 Okay, well, now I, I want to go back up to 10000 I think I'm going to go very high although i might regret this because like a lot of people do also hate the phantom menace and child anakin even though actually i think child anakin is actually my favorite anakin <laughs> but i'm gonna guess fifty thousand. okay what is everyone's final score final jess is fifty thousand. claudia twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. noah you said eight thousand what are you changing yours to no i'm not telling you 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 I'm stinky just, bitch i have Accepted that. I okay. suck I'll at this keep game, my, so. Fuck it. I'll stick to my guns and I'll keep mine at 12. Okay. Mine's $100. How much is it? $2,199.99. We could I crowdfund this. <laughs> we could. Why would we? Okay. No, because here's the thing. Here's what you have to realize for world peace to be achieved, we have to find all 295 <laughs> of them. And 275, them. to be fair. Okay. Spoilers we need for, to get them what, and the, the book where and the... from originally. Into the dark. Spoilers for Into the Dark. <laughs> These are those statues. Those fucked up statues of the space station. They're no, just Anakin. If, if we gather those Anakins, then we'll release the Drengear on Rhode Island. No, guys, no, it's keeping need... them together. It's the, the, the fact that they're we can solve COVID nineteen if we get them all together. <laughs> that is the problem. I They've been separated. Wait, guys, if we get those and all of the challenge. Points, we'd be unstoppable. <laughs> We're like Thanos. I am inevitable. <laughs> Thank you so much for playing. Um, I would just like to tease that the next time we do this segment, I have two very good things that I'm very excited. I decided to keep them, keep them in the wings just in case. But um, if you're a fan of the price bust, buckle the fuck up. Just so you guys know, final score. Jess, unfortunately, you've gotten zero, so you're being eliminated from I the podcast. I accepted that. I, like, don't have a concept <laughs> of money, and I just spend recklessly, so. <laughs> um. Then Noah and Claudia are tied, both with one. And then I win with three. Ho's mad. Now it's time for our favorite segment, which is Name That Ship, where we bring a fan fiction to the podcast that is... Um, interesting to say the least, and we try to um, to guess who is the main ship involved. Um, this is all in good fun. Please don't uh, go harass the authors or anything. We do this out of love and for celebration of the medium of fan fiction. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, I'm starting today with one. It's a little on theme. So that's why why I picked it. Um, I believe someone sent this to me. I did not write it down um, who sent it to me, so I'm so sorry if you are the person. This is rating mature. So starting out strong. And the relationships are character A, character B. Actually, 
there's two relationships and I want you to guess both because <laughs> they're both a little wild. Um, character A, character B, and character C, character D. And there's, so there's character A, character B, character C, character D, Paz Vizsla, and Din Djarin are in this fic. That's fun. Um, additional tags. Mandalorian culture. Alternate universe canon divergence. Amandoa language. Falling in love. Injury recovery. Memory loss. Um, this one will give it away, so I'm not gonna say that on this one. These are three that would give it away. Keldabe Kiss, Keldabe City, Post Order 66, Mandalorian Character B, Young Dinjarin, and something as a love language. Again, I can't put it because that would spoil it. Are these characters, Character B is a Mandalorian. Is this an AU in which they are a Mandalorian or are they already a Mandalorian canonically? Um, This is an AU where they are a Mandalorian. I have to see... Or that they, I, I believe, become Mandalorian in some way. Is this a character I'm, from Legends? No, these are all canon characters. Okay. And, and Is actually, one of them Boba? Uh, no. They, and these are all, uh, I will say, they're all canon characters and all quite well known. Okay. Is one of them Jango? No. Luke Skywalker? Are, no. Are any of them from the Clone Wars? Yes. Is one of them um, Boga... It, Three of them are from the Clone Wars, um, and character A is, I guess, would have been alive, but was not introduced. Okay. Um, is one of them Bo-Katan Kryze? No. Okay. Is well, one of them a clone? Yes. Is it Rex? Yes. That is character okay. D. Oh. Okay. Is the, is C and D, are, is, is, a, is this is a it Rex slash, is it, I'm sorry, is it Rex slash Satine? No. Damn it. Okay. Um, so I've seen that is, one before. The first ship is two women, and the second ship is two men. Oh, okay. So, is Rex, uh, Rex with, a, with, with another man. Mandalorian? No. Well, ah, uh, I guess at one point you could say. Is it Maul? <laughs> ah, shit, I gave it away! Rex Maul? <laughs> not Rawl. Rex Maul? Rawl? Stop, Max! <laughs> I hate to bring it to you guys, but some uh, people sent me this whole tag. Um, it, it's apparently a popular rare pair. Um,. I just brought this one. But that that is character C and character D is Rex and Maul. Oh my god. Ahsoka. That is character B. Is it it's not Bo Katan. Is, is it, this character and, a Mandalorian as well? Or yes. she this character is a Mandalorian. Casca Reeves? No. <gasps> okay. Rook cast. No. <laughs> why was why did I just think Baru? What the what is wrong with me? <laughs> I'm always in Baru Lars. <laughs> But that was when back when she was Baru White Sun, okay? okay I'm wait, gatekeeping. Wait, wait, wait. Is character A they are canonically a Mandalorian or they yes. were remade into one for this fic? No, they are canonically a Mandalorian. It is a Soka. Um the tag the tag that I couldn't read before was Mandalorian Ahsoka Tano. So Is it the armorer? It is. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, so, it so it's the armorer <laughs> slash Ahsoka and Rex slash Maul. Yeah, one is. of these things is a lot worse than the so, other. To give you um yeah, so the other tags were metallurgy, <laughs> Mandalorian armor, Biscar, metalworking as a love language, Mandalorian Ahsoka Tano, and it's summary, if absolute zero was the point at which there was no more energy left to degrade oneself, then it must have felt something like this. Betrayed by her former master, Ahsoka finds herself in the care of a secretive covert of Mandalorians while she recovers from her injuries. With Captain Rex by her side, the only friend she has left, Ahsoka must find a way to survive everything the rise of the Empire has taken from her. Yeah, armor, armor, uh, you know what? Armor 
Max Ahsoka, you know what? You do you. I mean, it's not my cup of tea, but you do you. It is, Maul and Rex was the reason that I did bring it to the table. And then mixing it with that, there are so many other Maul and Rex fix. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what Darth Maul is doing here. I don't know how, I literally don't know. So. <laughs> okay, can can I, I need to just unpack something verbally real quick. Because Noah said Rawl. <laughs> And I did immediately think the first thing that came to mind was Rand Paul. <laughs> I don't know do what you, that means. Do you guys remember when, when, when Rand Paul's neighbor beat the shit out of him? And he, yes. said he, he punched him and he was like, I flew 10 feet. Okay. Uh, sorry. Sorry for the American politics talk. But yeah, Senator Rand Paul. Do you guys think that, that yeah. Rand Paul and Darth Maul have explored each other's bodies? Yes. Anyways. I think they should if they haven't. <laughs> I want to hear Mel's fic. Uh, yeah. Thank you for bringing that, Claudia. That was fun. It was um, just funky. Fresh. I will I will say the fic that I am bringing to the table is not, I don't think it's a cursed ship at all. It just the tags did send me into another world because i i've had this in the i've had this waiting in the wings for a bit and i i revisited it and i was like oh shit um so it's kind of yasin's light and also it is still updating um once again please don't like if you're gonna seek out this fic don't be weird about it and be like he 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 rupel's pod race whatever anyways this fic is called behind the eight ball uh there are two ships for you to guess in this they're relatively easy to guess so there's character A, character B, and then the second ship is character C, character D, and character F. Character E, not character F. I don't know the order of the alphabet. <laughs> Anyways, point is, <clears throat> tags are flappers. We're getting gayer than ever before. Character A slash character B has me by the brainstem, and now I'm inflicting it onto you. Alternate universe 1920s. Alternate universe prohibition era. Shameless smut. Gunshot wounds, non-graphic violence, hurt, comfort. Jay Gadsby slash Nick Carraway. <laughs> also, okay. the way I know, I don't remember who the ship is, but I know for a fact that I have seen this. So are these I, Is are Jay these Gatsby men a character, or yes or no? No. Women? Jay Gatsby is not a character in this. Um, there is There are two ships, one of which is um, a sapphic relationship, and then the other one is a, a polycule with three men is okay. fennec shand here fennec shand is here fennec and pelimato no <gasps> wait okay i think i just remembered what it is but i don't know if i should say it because i don't know if i'm right is this character from the same like era and media as fennec or no from the same era yes i wouldn't say the same media harris and Duva? no is it fennec and leia yes it is <gasps> okay I'm literally this- just gonna say this. I, this is the one i've seen i won't say the other shit because I, I know what it is. Okay, so if so, it's Fennec and Leia, are the other three male characters all from that same era as the two of them? Yeah. Is, is one of them Boba. Luke Skywalker? Yes and yes. <gasps> I'm gonna, said, is it Luke? Din? Yes. Boba oh, Din, Luke, and Leia Fennec? In the 20s? Prohibition yes. AU? Yes. So this is just the great Gatsby. Oh, period, yeah. Which yeah. one is Gatsby, quickly? Din? Boba? Oh well, no 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 because Boba's the angry one, so unfortunately he does have to be um what's his name Tom Tom? <laughs> Why would you There's talk about my man like that? There's not a lot of men in this book. 
Okay, can I just read the summary for y'all? I would love you to. The first time that Fennec Shand sees Leia Skywalker, she's shimmying on the dance floor with her troublesome brother, their skirts twirling in tandem, glass beads twinkling under Jaren's chandeliers. So I guess Din is the Din guest. Din Jaren is Jay Gatsby! Actually, you know what? I'm okay with that. It's kind of a serve. Hey, you I didn't mention I like Grogu. <laughs> I just pulled this up. You did not mention the other characters in this. No, I didn't. Um, because it would have given it away. The Let me just characters? no, no, no. Let me read it. Let me read it. Leia Organa, Fennec Shand, Boba Fett, Din Djarin, Luke Skywalker, Migs Mayfield, <laughs> Dengar, Toro Calican. Never mind. Uh, Toro Calican is here. We have our Tom. Where's Valance? We officially have our Tom. <laughs> Valance can't even make it into this fic. Damn. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Rupalp's Pod Grace. Episodes usually drop on Sundays. For updates, Star Wars news, and more cursed shit, follow us on social media at Rupalp's Pod Race on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you really love the show, please rate and re- review us on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, or Overcast. It means a lot to us. May the force be with you, and don't criff it up. Waka waka. Waka waka. waka. waka.